welcome to Knock On Podcast, where we bring you archery information and education that you can trust. Knock On was created as a way to bring all archers together, regardless of the brand you choose or the style of archery you shoot. Knock On Podcasting will deliver professional insights to the latest gear, proper shooting technique, along with high-level equipment setup and tuning. Hello, hello. Welcome back to another Knock On Podcast. Kind of jumping right back on the mic here after pretty good podcast yesterday. Uh, had a lot of awesome topics come through from all of you out there, so I kind of want to continue on with that. Um, we've actually got several topics that we need to dive into today, but first, uh, one thing that I had forgot to talk about yesterday was that there is something that's going to be pretty cool for any of you out there who are in Canada listening to the podcast. Uh, I would like to announce that I will be at two different shoots in Canada. Um, the first will be uh, the Oilman Shootout. I'm going to go ahead and make an appearance there. Uh, it's an awesome event. Great, great people putting on this shoot and uh, a lot of good friends up there. So um, I'll definitely be popping into the Oilman Shootout. And that's uh, if you want to find out more about that shoot head to the Oilman's Shootout Facebook page. You can see all about it, but that's uh, the 28th and 29th of May. And then the next weekend, we're going to have uh, the first annual Red Deer Valley Shootout, and this is going to be really cool. Um, it's June 4th and 5th, and this is going to be a marked 3D shoot, and it's at the Canyon Ski Resort. It's going to be hosted by uh, the guys at Wolverine Guns and Tackle up there. So this is going to be a really, really cool shoot. And obviously there's going to be some awesome targets out there as well. It's going to be on the ski hill. So really looking forward to getting out and dropping some bombs on some some 3D targets. And I'm sure I'll probably uh, throw some some cash or prizes or something at some novelty shoots that we'll do uh, for fun. So hopefully I can see some of you out there for that. Uh, we're going to go right into where I left off yesterday. I'm still getting through just the questions that was sent to me on the Instagram page. And uh, we're going to kind of go through these and probably have to get into another podcast to get into the ones that were on the Facebook page. There's a lot of really, really good questions. So thanks everybody for that. Um, Let's see. The next question I've got here is going to be from, let's see, Traw W101. And his question is choice of arrows. Uh, veins, feathers, etc. for indoors versus outdoors. So, you know, that's one thing that's always been kind of the big question for a lot of shooters when they go from indoor shooting to outdoor shooting. Um, for me, I guess when it comes to veins or fletchings, I can tell you right off the bat, you know, you're always going to want to go with a shorter vein or fletch configuration. Um, I really like the PM, uh, 200s the little really low profile it's almost like a like a 187 shield cut type 
uh, vein. Uh, that's from, and we, I have them on the knock on archery website. The PM 200s is a, we might call them EP 200s. I'm not sure, but it's a, a low profile vein works really good on small diameter, micro diameter shafts like X tens or ACEs. Um, then if it's a little bit bigger shaft, um, I really like the AAE, uh, Pro Max veins. It's kind of an in-between vein. It's a little bit bigger, uh, but it works really well on the new uh, bigger diameter carbon shafts. You know, if those of you shooting 3D and trying to shoot a little bit bigger shaft, that's a really good vein to go with. Something that you're going to have uh, still have some stability on the back end of that shaft, but also you really just don't want to struggle with. Uh, wind drift or you know a crosswind because in most cases uh, especially for the 3d guys the foc is never really that high compared to guys that are setting up for you know field shooting or or even outdoor uh, target archery and in those cases most of those people are you know shooting like a 187 shield cut type arrow and um you know, I guess from there, uh, when it comes to the actual arrow itself, it really depends on the application. You know, I, I've told people if, if they're going to order, if they want one arrow to be able to do everything, I'm talking, you want to be able to hunt, you want to be able to shoot some indoor league, you want to shoot outdoor, you want to shoot 3D, you want to shoot field. I think the best overall arrow ever is probably the ACC. Uh, that's just an awesome all-around arrow. From there, you know, if you're going into target archery or field shooting, um, it just really depends. Uh, I've had my best scores ever with the original X10s, and you know they're a little bit slower, but the mass weight is higher and I can tell you that, you know, from a wind drift point of view, um, they're by far the most superior out there, uh, just micro diameter with, with a lot of mass weight and a barreled shaft. It's, it's, uh, pretty superior, but you know, if you're, if you're really not going to be shooting 70 and 90 meter stuff, then your options really, really open up. You have a whole new list of arrows that you can use um, and you really have to just factor in how much wind there's going to be because obviously the more windy the conditions or the terrain that you're in the more likely you are going to have problems if you choose a larger diameter shaft whereas you know if you know that you're going to be shooting at a place where notoriously it doesn't have much wind then you can get away with a little bit bigger shaft diameter another thing too is um you know if you're shooting say an unmarked field course for your first time where you're you know you're having to shoot at unknown distances then having an arrow that's a little bit faster is going to also be an advantage for you so for example um, the first few years that i shot unmarked field courses um, i shot an ace just because it was quite a bit faster than my x10s they were about 20 feet per second faster and um, by the time i got comfortable with the unmarked field i actually went back to 
an X10 that was slower just because it, for me, they were more consistent um, all around in all weather conditions. So, you know, that's always a loaded question of what arrow is best for indoor or outdoor, and it really depends how specialized or how uh, specific you're going to be getting with that. Um, I know that right now I've got the new, uh, I've got some new, I think they're hyperdrives from Easton. Uh, it's a real large diameter carbon shaft. Uh, I'm really looking forward to, to trying those cause I'm definitely going to get out and, um, plank it some three D's here, uh, this year. But, um, also, you know, I just, I've worked enough with the original X10s to where I really like the X10 shafts. Um, Pro Tours are, you know, probably an easier arrow for the average person to be able to tune. Um, but you know, I really like working with my X10s, being able to cut, you know, anywhere from an inch and a half to two and a half inches off the back, and shoot those arrows they're just super durable on the back end um my speed kind of stays right where i like it to be and when it comes to groupability uh they're just the most i i guess if i factor everything in they have given me my highest scores all around the board and there's actually been times where i've even shot x10s indoors and they'll shoot really really good there so um let's see moving on to another question here um let's see mark is asking uh, about peep height do you set your peep height for different hunting or 3d shooting is there a happy medium um so when it comes to setting my peep height you know i really like to figure out where it is that i'm shooting at a certain distance um, for example, you know, indoor shooting, your sight is going to be moved towards the top of your bar. It's going to be higher on your bar. So, you know, you don't want to have your peep to where you're really having to crunch your face into your string in order to look up through your peep to the top side of that bar. So what I found is, you know, my peep height might be a little bit higher when I'm shooting, say, 18 meters and shooting indoors. But then when I move outdoors, I really like to find a peep height that is almost in the position of an average or in the position where the distance matters the most. So back when I shot outdoor target archery, um, you know, if I was really trying to focus on shooting a 1400 score, I was making sure that my peep, it was almost a little bit lower um, than when I was at a closer distance because I really wanted to feel that my anchor was solid on my face at that 70 and 90 meter distance. Whereas, you know, if my peep would have still been up there near around the height uh, where I need it for indoor shooting, uh, you know, you just feel like you're kind of floating off your face in order to look down through that peep at your scope that's now towards the bottom of the scale. So, you know, for 3D, I always figured out kind of what our average distance was. Um, if if we were shooting on courses that were averaging 40 or 50 yards, then I would really set my peep almost just a fuzz lower then if we were shooting courses that were really short, 
Um, you know, but for the most part, I can tell you the best thing you can do once you figure out where that spot is, um, is go ahead and come to full draw and that measurement is something that you're really going to want to keep um, because it stays the same regardless of what your axle axle length or your string angle is. If you come to full draw and you measure from the center of the peep straight down vertically to the center of the arrow shaft, that distance right there is a distance that you want to always know um, because once you let that bow forward, you know, if the string angle is a very sharp string angle, then your peep will be higher in your string when it's at rest. So people that just know their measurement um, for their peep height when their bow is at rest, um, they don't always get the best fit and comfort because you switch from one bow to the next or you change your draw length a little bit. It changes that string angle and then ideally your peep height in your string will have to change too but if you know that that distance um, is always say 3.75 inches from the center of your peep straight down to the center of the shaft um, if you have the ability to either pull your bow back and let someone you know make take that measurement for you and just slide your peep to that position then you can be assured your anchor position and your fit how that strings on your face can be the same each and every time. Let's see here. Uh, next question is, well, I had a question here from Traw 101. You're asking me about my thoughts on uh, Levi's tournament. I actually talked about that in, in the last podcast, podcast 52. Um, that tournament sounds pretty good. I like the looks of the format. And, uh, again, it's something that we've really tried to – tried to accomplish in professional 3D archery since back in the mid-90s. So it's good that, you know, here 18 years later, it's finally coming to be. So that's good. Um, next question here is going to be about um, bad scope reflections. Um, he's just saying that, you know, what's the best way to minimize um, your scope reflection? And certain certain scopes and certain qualities of glass will change this certainly um you know the better the quality of glass in my experience um the less problems you're going to have when it comes to you know having distortion in your image and also your your reflection um the glare all that stuff um you know really makes a difference someone that just goes out and buys a 20 dollar piece of plastic to put in their lens um you're going to suffer problems for it and you know you have to watch it a lot of companies um a lot of companies now advertise a certain type of brand um, but really their glass isn't necessarily that quality of glass. For example, you know, I've seen some that'll say, you know, it's a Zeiss lens when in fact it's not a Zeiss lens, it's a Zeiss coating. Um, and there's, you know, a slight difference. Um, you know, I've seen some companies that were notoriously selling a certain type of glass that was really high quality and now as the years have gone they've just switched brands to a different quality of glass and they just really haven't made 
made it public knowledge that the glass is different. So if you're struggling with that, um, one thing that you should always do, or that I always did anyway, is you know if you have just a very slight angle on your glass, um, you know when you're looking at your sight or your your lens, if you slightly you know tilt it down just a little bit, you'll actually angle your um, reflection away from the direct angle of your eye and you know you're not going to see that the other thing too is obviously if you're shooting in white shirts uh, this could be a problem you know that's something that you really got to be mindful of Um, I always like to shoot in darker colors simply because it didn't give me that reflection on my lens near as bad so hopefully those help you um Let's see here. We'll move in to D. Miller 6868 saying, Tell me why in the world the archery industry won't make a good multi-pin vertical sight. Um, Your opinion would be appreciated. You know, it seems like every time a really good like multi-pin vertical sight comes on the market it seems like the ones that were really good they kind of go away because they end up being too expensive for the for the average person to buy and you know all i can tell you is there's when you when you buy a site especially a site i think more than anything else on your bow you really get what you pay for um you know the vibrations going through the end of that site can do a lot to it and you know the more corners the manufacturers cut on these sites um, the more problems and inconsistencies you have and I know that for me um, you know I just always liked having a bow set up to where when I pulled it out of a bow case I didn't have to worry about adjusting my whole gang of pins on my site because something moved um, you know, there's been there's been a lot of different versions of sites that come out, and I've I've been a Sherlock guy for um, I guess 20 years now. Um, I've I've shot Sherlock, and I actually on one of my bows, I still have the same Sherlock sight that Steve Gibbs built for me, and it it's bulletproof. You know, I don't change it because it just continues to work the way that a site needs to work and on my hunting sites um you know i always have several hunting bows set up and on one of my hunting bows i'm still shooting um a sherlock site one of the first hunting sites that steve gibbs made um, which is like 16 years old now and the reason i'm doing that is because it just works really well um, you know, there's there's a lot of companies out there that are trying to make a hybrid crossover site uh, between hunting and target. But the reality is, you know, at least in my opinion, a lot of the a lot of the pins that are being made now, I personally don't really favor because I don't like the surgical tubing for the pins. I don't like the fact that I can't replace the fibers. Uh, in my pins if I were to break one Um, I just 
I really like stuff that's simple and solid. So, you know, I'm continuing to, to try to work that direction and relay that same message, buddy, believe me. And, um, thankfully, um, so, you know, a new company has acquired, you know, Faradine acquired Sherlock last year and the new engineers are really open-minded to, uh, to a lot of this information. And thankfully I'm able to pass this stuff on and, you know, I'll be, I'll be curious to see if, if we can finally get something that I think every target archer slash hunter, um, will like, and will be something that works in the field as well. Um, let's see, uh, Trent, let's see, Trent Hosteler, maybe, I don't know if I pronounced that right, but you're asking, um, can you tell me if Under Armour has anything coming down the pipeline along the lines of a good, um, pack, you know, frame pack pack for elk hunting? I haven't personally seen like a pack frame style pack. Um, I think that's probably more of a specialty market. Again, you know, just yesterday I talked a lot about how hardcore the Western hunting crew is. And, you know, there's a lot of companies that are so specific to making a really cool pack frame style backpack. Um, You know, it might not be something just when it comes to total sales, the direction that they may want to go. I haven't personally seen one. Um, There may be one coming down the line, but I haven't seen it myself yet. Um, the other thing is, I know that I have another question somewhere throughout all these questions from someone that was asking, um, I think they were asking what backpack I use for, you know, backcountry packs. And honestly, I've never been um, big on wanting to carry a lot of weight. This is something that I, that I kind of share the same Uh, mentality as Randy Ulmer with you know Randy when he goes and hunts he packs really light likes to be mobile likes to you know be able to maintain stamina throughout the day and I'm the same I've hunted with um, friends out west where they're carrying you know a big 2800 pack they've got a spot and scope they've got a tripod they've got you know just pretty much everything they need to survive for a week in the pack and uh, I'm just not the I'm just not a hunter that really goes that way. I know there's certain backcountry applications to where you'll need to pack in like that, but you know most of the time I'm running an 1800 pack at the most, and I really limit my pack to you know hydration, um, some food, headlamps, knives, uh, a first aid kit, a rain jacket and that's about it you know i'm i'm pretty uh i'm pretty light and mobile with what i'm doing and that's how i like to hunt you know once i get something down uh you know you might have to you know then you're trying to figure out what the best way to get get that out you know if you're on a hunt where you're in the backcountry and and you know that if you make a shot you're literally you need to to make that first trip back to camp with meat, then yeah, that's a whole different story. Then, then it's definitely a case where you're going to want to be taking that stuff with you. Um, but for 95% of the hunting that I do, 
Um, I just don't have to pack that way, and I really uh, make the best out of utilizing an, an 1800 pack, and it, it works really well for me. But again, for any of you Western hunters that are needing pack frame style hunts, uh, at least right now, I haven't seen a pack that's coming. Um, okay, let's see. John Beastman is asking my thoughts on same-day blind setups for hunts. And, you know, I can tell you that I've had a ton of success with this. but And I don't want to sound like a sales pitch because this is, you know, something that I'm, you know, I really, really believe in. But... I've had a tremendous amount of success, every, you know, for the last five years, ever since I started hunting out of the bale blinds. You know, Redneck has purchased um, bale blinds a few years ago, and they've continued to make these blinds better. And I can tell you that when it comes to a real legitimate bale blind, I know there's a lot of people making really crappy, junky ones right now, and I've seen several of them in stores. Um, I can just... For me and the deer that I hunt, um, which are, you know, fair chase, wild deer, turkeys, muleys, elk, um, moose, I've shot, I've literally shot so many different animals out of my blinds. It just seems like a real bale blind is so natural and they've seen so many of them that almost regardless of the area, and I'm talking all the way from the northern parts of Canada all the way to the far, far south, um, I've utilized bale blinds. I've utilized them in Montana, South Dakota, um, Nebraska. I've used them in Kansas, Oklahoma, uh, Illinois, Wisconsin. I mean, I've used them everywhere in every single place. I've always had awesome success. Now, when it comes to pop-up blinds, I can tell you that, yeah, pop-up blinds are something that need to be out ahead of time. They need to be concealed and things need to kind of get used to them unless it's a turkey. Um, I just have not had the same type of response on any other type of blind than what I have on a bale blind. And that that is the God's honest truth. Um, I've got several different ways of utilizing them here on my place. Um, I've got several mounted on like hay wagons. So, you know, I'll just move my blinds around to different sporadic parts of my properties. And, you know, for the last five years, all my animals are getting used to seeing them and they continually move. So if the wind isn't right... I really don't disturb anything on a field to hook up to that and pull it to the other end of the field and hunt out of it in the same day because, like I said, there's there's always bales around and they really really uh, just accept them and you know whether it's moose or muleys or whitetails or turkeys I've literally have I've had every single one of those species within five yards of the blind and I've got so many pictures of animals just literally like looking inside of them they just completely accept them no question about it um next question here is going to be from jason mckinney um says he's thinking about trying the carter the only um no one around here has it have you tried it if so how does it feel compared to a normal hinge um i really See, I've always shot carters because I just feel like the quality of the handle and the shape of the handles fit me really well. Um, 
The Only is a great release. Um, Erica Jones has pretty much dominated the the female professional class for years uh, before she before she had her baby, um, and has just loved that release. I know several pro shooters that that's all they shoot and. You know, I like it as well, but what's funny is most of the releases that I shoot are like some of the original original ones, and I've just really got along well with them. Um, you know, the I, I'm still shooting an A-tension a lot of the times, um, although I do like um, the Two Moons release. I do like the Only, um, but for me, when I shoot a hinge, I really like to shoot hinges that have a shorter jaw where the jaw is closer to your hand. So that's kind of the reason why I still shoot, um, you know, an A-tension quite a bit. But yes, it is a good release. You can set it super fast. It pivots really, really well. And, uh, you know, again, just get one and try it. You know, you might want to order one from uh, Lancaster Archery and you know, give it a try. I think if you've cheated a few times and don't like it, they'll probably end up, uh, letting, you know, letting you send it back. Um, I did have a question here from Hoyt 5.0 asking why I shoot a four fletch. Um, and I've talked about that in previous podcasts. So you might want to go back through there. And I also talked about your question for sight tapes. Um, there's a lot of different sight tapes. I still use, um, Archer's Advantage, uh, that's just me because I've had it on my computer so long and, it, and I know how to work it really well. Um, but when you're asking about my fletching, whether I shoot straight or helical, I shoot from anywhere from about one and a, one degree to one and a half degree. It really depends on the diameter of my shaft and the rest that I'm shooting. Uh, right now when I'm shooting uh, a blade rest on an indoor arrow, I can shoot more of an offset. I can shoot about one and a half and I have perfect clearance. Now I'm shooting about one degree on my four fletch and, uh, and I'm shooting a follow-away rest and it works awesome. And, uh, I've just got, I've got one more question here. I'll talk about real quick. Uh, it's from Jason McKinney, uh, again, and he was asking about my camera setup, um, when I'm filming for my TV show. So, um, honestly, most of my show where I have the ability to really control the set and control the environment, I, st- I shoot with uh, my DSLRs. Um, you know, I'll shoot with a Nikon uh, DSLR. But when it comes to my in-the-field hunting, you know, I, I film most of my stuff with a Canon. Either if I'm on a, a hunt where... I'm really limited on space and I'm having to carry tripods and everything like that. I'll go ahead and take um, a Canon G30 with a DM100 microphone and try to film just the core part of the hunt, you know, the animal coming in and the shot. Um, But then once it comes time for, you know, lead ins to the shows or, you know, the recovery, things like that, I'll go ahead and make sure that I have a good wireless mic. Um, or, you know, if I'm able to do a recovery, I can go back and get my DSLR, get it on a tripod, etc. But when it comes to the actual footage in the field, it's a G30 or Canon XA20. Uh, um, both those have been 
all I need personally. I've carried big cameras. I've had tons of $10,000 cameras over the years and end up selling the dumb things because most of the time I'm filming myself or, or worst case scenario, um, or I guess a better case scenario, I'm handing my camera off to someone else to do it. And the simpler the camera, the better my footage is overall. And I think for the average person that's just going to throw a camera in their backpack and want to go out and film, that's an awesome little camera. Uh, the best th- thing I can tell you is to get a good uh, head, you know, a good head for your tripod and also a good head for a good quality tree arm. You know, I shoot a, I, my tree arm and my tripods take up the most weight of all my gear. I have those and a good thumb remote. And I can tell you that uh, that's really all I've needed. So I appreciate everyone listening in to another podcast here. And this kind of concludes all of the questions that I had through you Instagram followers. So over the next day or two here, I'm going to dive into the questions that all of you sent me on the Facebook page. So Knock on everybody and have a good weekend. Be sure to visit knockonarchery.com to see our entire line of trendy knock-on lifestyle clothing. knockonarchery.com